This weekend, we celebrate Palm Sunday when King Jesus came to set the captives free. Do you know that on this Sunday, 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered Jerusalem and he was worshipped and he was celebrated as the King of Israel. You know, that's what he came to earth to be. To offer to the people of the earth, especially the people of Israel, that he would be their king and set up a kingdom where he would reign and rule with love and justice and mercy. And yet, the people of his day ultimately rejected him. But this is an important Sunday, and so I'm glad you can be with us. Uh, this weekend, we celebrate Palm Sunday, and I know uh, we're not all together in person, but we can still celebrate together. You know, uh, there was a little boy who got sick on Palm Sunday one year, and he had to stay home with his mom. And so he's bumming out. Uh, He wanted to be there for such a big Sunday. And so he sat at home with his mom. Well, his dad came home from church, and he had a palm branch with him. And and his son was curious, and the little boy said, Dad, why do you have that palm branch? What's going on? And and his dad said, well, listen, son, uh, when Jesus came to town, Uh, the people got palm branches and went out and waved them and just celebrated Jesus coming to town. And so we got palm branches in church this Sunday. And the little boy looked at the ground, he kicked the floor, and he said, of course, the one Sunday I miss, Jesus shows up. All right, I know you're laughing at home, even though I can't hear you here. Hey, listen, uh, uh, you know, this is a big Sunday. And of course, this Sunday, uh, this weekend's Palm Sunday, and the next weekend we celebrate Easter. And it's just such a big time for us as followers of Jesus. And I know we're in a crisis, and we're in the middle of, of a lot of uncertainty and fear and anxiety. We're cooped up on our own. Many of us are shut in, and we're not able to get out and see others. But the truth is that we can worship together. We can all be connected um, to each other through the Holy Spirit. We are one body. We're one church. And even if we can't be together physically in the same building, we know that we all can worship together. You know, we've got brothers and sisters in China who are ministering to their fellow countrymen as followers of Jesus. They're serving and ministering to those that are sick and ill. We know we've got brothers and sisters of Jesus uh, that are with us uh, that are in Iran, serving their fellow countrymen in India, in Europe, in all the countries of the world. And so I want to encourage you today that we worship with those brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus, who are ministering to their fellow countrymen, and and countrywomen, they're serving them, they're loving on them in the name of Jesus, and we're going to do the same thing here in this country. You've heard that we've already moved into the city of New York. Uh, We've got Franklin Graham's ministries in there setting up a hospital, ministering to the people of New York, and I just want to encourage you that that's happening everywhere. We're trying to get ready here in our little part of the world to be ready to serve others. And we're already doing that a little bit, trying to care for those uh, who need to stay inside. But as this thing ratchets up and as, as the intensity of it grows, guys, we're going to be able to serve those around us. And so that's what we're doing as a church. I want to call you to that. And so let's celebrate to, together today um, the, the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem on a donkey. In John chapter 12, Verses 12 and 13, it says this. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to King, uh, hail to the King of Israel. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your uh, coming to this earth 
to minister to us, to love on us, to show us who you are. God, thank you for revealing through Jesus, your son, the way that we can have to have peace with you, to have life in you. And we just come to you today celebrating, lifting you up on high as the king of all the universe. King Jesus, who reigns and rules in heaven, who reigns and rules in our hearts. And Father, we just pray that today as we worship you and celebrate you, that you would receive that worship as a gift from us, that it would be authentic and pure from our hearts. And Father, we just come to you thanking you and praising you for who you are and for all you've done for us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the actions of Jesus leading up to the crucifixion were many. Jesus said and taught many things as the time of his death drew near. One of the things um, that we're going to look at today is obviously the scripture surrounding Palm Sunday and the things that occurred there. And we're going to be primarily in the book of Matthew. So if you want to look there uh, in Matthew and follow along with us, we'll kind of work through a couple different passages. But Jesus, as he led up to this time, you know, he taught uh, on many things and he was asked a number of questions. And I think some of those are relevant for us today. Jesus was asked, what's going to happen What's going to happen in the world? What are the the signs going to be that you're coming back? You know, they knew that he was going to return. He taught them that he was going to leave and that he was going to return for them. And and he said, listen, I'm going to prepare a place. I'm going to prepare uh, my father's mansion has many rooms and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back and receive you and get you for myself. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is going to return. But before he left, they asked him, What's going to happen? How are we going to know that you're coming back? What are the signs? And so Jesus was asked this, and I think it's relevant for us today. I've had people asking me, are we in the end times? What's going on? And so it's interesting that Jesus was asked about uh, when he would return, and this is what he said. Essentially, he said this, don't worry, but be ready. Don't worry, but be ready. If you're in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 24, uh, that's where we're going to start, Matthew 24. And we're just going to start in verse 1. You can follow along on the screen, but if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, you can open it up there. We've got some notes for you, and, um, and you can write some things down. But this is what it says in Matthew 24, verse 1 and 2. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And so Jesus predicted that the temple would be destroyed. It would be knocked down. And he said uh, this was the beginning of his response as to the end of times and the signs of his return. And so I want you to know that this occurred in AD 70. (laughs) Titus uh, laid siege to Jerusalem. There was an uprising. It's called the Second uh, Rebellion of the Jewish people. They did not want to be under Roman rule. And so they would rebel. They would, uh, they would stir up a military uprising and try to overthrow Rome as their oppressors and rulers. And so Titus came in and laid siege to Jerusalem. And in doing so, he demolished and destroyed the temple. So I just want to tell you that the signs of Jesus' return began in 70 AD, and perhaps before that. 
Jesus' death occurred around 33 AD. And Jesus said there's going to be trouble and persecution. He promised that his followers would have difficult times. And we certainly know the early church did. There was persecution that began with Stephen being martyred, which we, we talked about a couple weeks ago. And, and that moved into a persecution that, that filled the, uh, the nation of Israel, persecuting the church. And then Rome began to persecute the church. Uh, Nero, who was one of the emperors, said that, um, that the Christians were responsible for burning Rome. And so they began to persecute Christians. And uh, they threw them to the lions. They burned them at the stake. Uh, it was tremendous, horrific time for the church uh, in the Roman Empire. And so that persecution hit almost immediately within the first century. Paul himself was, uh, was, um, was um, martyred in Rome. And so this season of persecution, difficulty, and trouble, Jesus said, would begin right away. And it did. And so I want to encourage you that I believe we are in the end times. <laughs> that Jesus spoke to that. He told his followers things that would happen, and they have. They did begin to happen, and they continue to this day. And so a time that we're in, where we've got a virus and a pandemic that's spreading the globe, can I just encourage you, it's not the first time that this has happened, and it may not be the last, but what we do know is that Jesus is in charge and that he promised us these things would happen. And so we don't panic. We don't fear. We're not afraid, but he did say, be ready. In Matthew 24, continuing on in verse 3, it says this, Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I'm the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And Jesus goes on to say you'll be persecuted. You'll be killed, as I've said. You'll be hated all over the world because of me. Uh, and, and he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. In verse 14, Matthew 24 says this, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So Jesus given some instruction, some encouragement. He says, don't panic, don't worry. There are things that are going to take place. God's in control, and at the right time, Jesus will return. So are we in the end times? You know, I think, I think we are. But ultimately, the question that we need to answer for each one of our own lives is not necessarily when will Jesus return, because that is certain. Paul and the early church believed that Jesus would come back in their lifetime. Uh, they believed that his return would happen before they tasted death. And so certainly today, we look at the times we're in, we see things happening, and we say, is Jesus going to return? Is he going to return? Can I tell you this? This is the question we really need to be asking. Are we ready? And so today I want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready to face Jesus? He is both Savior and Judge. The Scriptures tell us, Jesus tells us clearly in Matthew that He will judge the nations. We'll stand before Him. Are you ready? Jesus said in the Scriptures, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. 
And so the way that we can know if tonight, if today or tomorrow you were, get, you were to get sick with this COVID-19 virus, and if it were to make you deathly ill and take your life, which we're hearing stories of this, we know it's happening all over our country. If this were happened to you, if it were to happen to you in the near future, do you know that when you were to die and go stand before Jesus, your judge and the Savior of the world, would you be ready? Would you be ready? I want to make sure you are. I can tell you today with certainty, you can know for sure. You can know for sure that you're right with God, that your sins are forgiven, that you've been justified freely by his grace, and that you are going to spend eternity with him. Jesus talks about um, uh, the way that he's going to judge people is based on whether or not he knows them. Does Jesus know you? Have you talked to him? Have you made peace with God? Jesus said, listen, uh, you need to put your trust in me. In Romans, the Apostle Paul lays it out clearly. He starts off in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we know that each one of us, each human being that's ever walked this planet, has sinned and fallen short of what God created us to be and who he created us to be. Our actions, our behaviors fall short of what God expects from us, what he designed us, the character he wants us to have. You know, he created us to reflect him, and yet we don't. We live for ourselves. And so we're, we live a life of separation from God. The Bible says we're enemies of God because we're in opposition to him. When you're trying to live your own life for yourself, you're in opposition to God. You're not living your life for him in the way he wants you to live. And so you've got to make peace with him. You've got to come before him with a heart of repentance, a heart that says, yeah, God, I know that I've sinned. I've broken your law, broken your rules. I'm not right with you. I know I deserve judgment, but I'm coming to you for forgiveness. That is the heart with which we come to God. And when we come to God that way, when we come to him with humility, when we come on our knees and we say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to be judged by you. But I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm putting my trust in what you've done for me. See, this is the heart with which we come to God. Romans 6.23, Paul goes on to say that the wages of sin is death. Now that's talking about spiritual death. Physical death, we know that we'll face. And we could face that at any moment. And in a time like this, we know it could come quickly. The point is that there's spiritual accountability as well. There's a spiritual existence that we have. Our souls will live for eternity. Where will your soul live? Paul says the wages of sin is death, but listen to this. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the hope of salvation is found in faith in what Jesus has done. It's not just putting my trust in him to say, God, please save me, but it's walking into a relationship with him. It's connecting with him in, a, in such a way that says, God, I need you in my life. I need the salvation that you bring and I want to walk with you. I want to live for you. Uh, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for us to get our act together, but he came to us. He came and provided a way of salvation and forgiveness. But we've got to come to God with a desire for that, knowing we need it. 
And if you're listening to me today and you know that you're not right with God, there's something going on in your heart and your spirit and there's a longing and a desire and you're being, you're being pressed right now. You feel the need to get right with God. And I want to tell you, that's the work of God. That's the Holy Spirit pulling you in. He wants a relationship with you. And I want to ask you today to respond to it. Don't let it go by. Don't let this Palm Sunday pass without you getting right with Jesus, with you putting your faith and trust in him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. The promise of the scriptures is that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we find hope, we find salvation. Do you know if you were to die tonight, you'd spend eternity with God in heaven? You can have 100% certainty of that. And I want you to have it today. I want you to have it as we move through this crisis so that you're ready. You know no matter what happens. If your life is taken, if you're spared, it doesn't matter. You're ready to spend eternity with God. So take advantage of this moment. Don't let it pass. If you need to pause this video, if you need to walk away from the TV and spend some time with God and just make, uh, get right with Him, ask Him to come into your life and forgive your sins and begin to walk with Him, man, do it right now. Don't let a moment pass. On Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. He rode in very humbly, and yet he was worshipped by the people. They worshipped him, and they celebrated him as king of Israel. And the truth is, that is who he was and who he is today. The truth is that Jesus offered to rule the people as Jesus the king. He offered to rule them as Jesus the King. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, says this, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so the disciples went in, they found the donkey, it happened just the way Jesus had said. He rode into Jerusalem to the accolades and to the celebration of the people. They acknowledged him as king of Israel. They offered him, in a sense, to be their king. Yet Luke tells us that Jesus came humbly. Riding into Jerusalem on a donkey was unusual for a king. You know, he would have ridden in on white horses and chariots to much pomp and celebration, and yet Jesus comes humbly on the back of a donkey. He came offering a kingdom of peace, not war. Jesus did not offer to be a military leader, to rise up and overthrow Rome. Instead, what he offered, and listen to this, he offered peace with God. He offered a depth of relationship with their king and their God who had created them, who had chosen them to be his people. Can I tell you the same is true today? You have the opportunity to walk in the kingdom of of Jesus, to have him as your king, to submit to his rule, and to celebrate what he has done. 
the act of celebrating Jesus um, in, in, this, in, in his day, however, became the motivation to get rid of him. Because what took place as Jesus rode in on a Sunday, um, the following Friday was reversed. And the people worshipped him and celebrated him and said, be our king. And not a week later, they were yelling, crucify him. And they were putting him on a cross. You know, the leaders of Jesus' day certainly understood what he was offering. Perhaps not all the people did. Perhaps not all the people understood what it would mean for Jesus to be king. But the leaders did, and they certainly used the opportunity to begin to press against him. They wanted to destroy him. They couldn't allow him to become that king of peace. That king that would reconnect the people of Israel to their God. And yet that's what Jesus came to do. You and I can experience what Jesus came to establish. Even though he didn't set up a physical kingdom, Jesus did establish a spiritual kingdom. He went to the cross and he conquered death. And as we'll look at next week, he rose from the dead to prove that he was the Savior of the world. To demonstrate he did have the power to forgive sins. And even though his physical kingdom is not yet, it's coming, but it's not yet, the spiritual kingdom of Jesus does exist. And even though most of the people in Jesus' day rejected him as king, we can still accept his reign. So, can I call you today to let King Jesus reign in your heart? Let King Jesus reign in your heart. Let's not be like the people of Jesus' day who worshipped Him and celebrated Him on a Sunday and the following Friday wanted to crucify Him because He wasn't doing for them what they wanted. When we invite Jesus into our lives, when we submit our lives to Him and say, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, we give up the right to rule. We give up the right to be the King in our own lives. And we say, Jesus, I recognize You are the rightful King. You have accomplished God's will. You sit at the right hand of the throne of the Father. You've been given authority and a power and dominion. You are the ruler of the universe, and I'm going to let you rule in my life. I've seen and heard for many years this idea that there's a throne in our lives, and there's a king on that throne. My question would be to you today, who is that king? Are you the king sitting on the throne in your life? Or have you invited Jesus to sit on that throne to rule and reign. I want to call us today on Palm Sunday to worship King Jesus, to be good subjects, to allow Him to reign in our lives, to listen and to submit to His leadership so that our lives begin to look more and more like what He intended, so that His glory is reflected in us, so that people around us, when they look at us and they look at you and me, they see instead Jesus and not just us. Let's worship Him Let's be those followers that others can see so that we can be a reflection of His. Matthew 24, Jesus in, in verse 36, Jesus goes on to talk about uh, the end of times and His return. And He says this, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son Himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man returns or comes. Excuse me. 
See, the coming of Jesus could happen at any moment. Are you ready? Are you building your life in such a way that you're listening to Jesus, he's king of your life, and you're following him? We want to be good subjects. We want to be people that are listening to him. Being ready for his return is what we're called to do. There was a a superintendent of schools that came to visit one of the schools in his district. And when he came, uh, he offered kind of a challenge. He said, listen, I'm going to offer a prize to the pupil whose desk I find in the best order when I return. Um, But when will you come back, the students asked. When are you going to come back? And he said, well, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. And so there was a little girl who was kind of noted for having a disheveled desk and always being a mess. And uh, she just had disorderly habits. And, you know, she announced that she wanted that prize. And she was going to get it. And and her fellow schoolmates jeered at her and said, you, you're not going to be able to keep a clean desk. Uh, Your desk is always out of order and a mess. And she said, oh, hold on, though. I plan on cleaning it the first of every week. And they said, well, what if he comes at the end of the week? She said, well, then I'll clean my desk every morning. And they said, well, what if he comes at the end of the day? She thought for a minute. She said, you know, I know what I'll do. I'll keep it clean. Hey, listen, we have the opportunity to walk out our lives in such a way that we're ready each and every day for the king to return. If you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, I want to call you to do it. Give your life to him so that you're ready when he returns. You're ready when you face him should you die first. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to call you to make him king of your life, to allow him to sit on the the throne. And if you've walked away, if you've gotten some habits that your life's a little disheveled and out of order and you've allowed some sin to creep back in, man, take this season to get rid of it, to make things right, to return Jesus to the throne of your life. Call him once again to lead you. Listen to his direction and submit to his leadership. As we face this crisis, It can be uh, a struggle. It can be stressful. But I want to encourage you, Jesus taught us not to worry about tomorrow because he said each day has enough worries of its own. Just just take care of today. John Newton had um, uh, some great instruction. He said this, I compare the troubles which we have to, uh, to undergo in the course of a year to a great bundle of sticks, far too large for us to lift. But God does not require us to carry the whole at once. He mercifully unties the bundle and gives us first one stick, which we are to carry today, and then another, which we are to carry tomorrow, and so on. But we might easily ma- uh, this we might easily manage if we would only take uh, if we would only take the burden uh, appointed for us each day. But we choose to increase our troubles by carrying yesterday's stick over and over again, and then uh, we add tomorrow's burden to our load as well. Before Um, before we are required to bear it. Listen, uh, the point is this, that this day has enough troubles. Take care of today. We could worry about tomorrow. Certainly in the season that we're in, we need to be prepared for tomorrow. But we don't need to worry about it. God knows. He has us firmly in his hands. And so I want to encourage you to do something productive with your time. I issued a challenge a couple weeks ago to pray. And I want to call you to continue to pray. Let's pray consistently. Set your alarm to either pray at 7 in the morning, 10 in the morning, 12 noon, 2 in the afternoon, or 7 at night. Let's be praying together. Pray for revival to come to our lands, uh, uh, to come to our land, and to come to our world. And can I call you to this? Next week we celebrate Easter. 
and it will be a celebration. We will celebrate together. Regardless of whether we can gather together or not, we're going to celebrate together the resurrection of Jesus, the conquering of sin and death. And can I tell you, we can walk into this week fearless about what we're going to face, what tomorrow brings, because we know that the Savior of the world holds us in His hands. His death and resurrection prove that we have life and we have forgiveness in His name. And when we go to spend eternity with Him, that's exactly what it will be. Let's get ready for next week. I can't wait to celebrate together. God is good. He's going to get us through this season and this struggle. He's going to bring us through it. And we're going to get through on the other side. We're going to rebuild our country and our lives. And God is going to get us through this. In the meantime, let's get ready. Let's prepare our hearts to celebrate Resurrection Sunday next week. God bless you. I can't wait to be with you next week. And uh, let me just pray to close us. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for coming to this earth, walking among us. And Father, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, the day in which you were recognized as king, may we make you king in our lives. God, I pray for each person listening to me that you would fill their lives with your presence. They would know you're there, that you'd take away the worry and stress and anxiety that this season has brought and give them a confidence and certainty that they are in you and that their lives are secure in your hands. And should they die, they're going to spend eternity with you forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.